Pasha Vayeshev, we learn an important principle, and that is, how does one respond to receiving prophecy? What does one do when he's being given an abu? There's some famous questions, and maybe famous answers in the Pasha, and maybe less famous questions and less famous answers. But if you put them all together, we'll see an amazing principle. We see at the beginning of the Pasha, Yosef is hated by his brothers, they're jealous of him. And Yosef dreams the dreams, which he tells to his brothers, and it doesn't do much to help their relationship. On the contrary, they hate him even more. And then the Pasuk says that Yosef tells the dream to his father. And it says, Aviv Shamar Sadavar. His father Yaakov guarded the matter. What does it mean that he guarded the matter? We just heard it. What do you have to guard it for? And then there's an interesting thing. The relationship between Yosef and his brothers deteriorates. Eventually, they sell him. He goes down to Mitzrayim. He gets thrown into the jail of Potiphar for 12 years. He comes out as a king, as a viceroy. And now in his position of power, Yosef busies himself storing grain preserving food for the seven years of plenty and only after seven years of plenty pass in the two years the first two years of the famine Dios's brothers come to come down to Mitzrayim throughout that period Yaakov Avino is mourning Yaakov Avino feels Yosef has been taken from him Yaakov Avino even suspects that Yosef might have been killed and we understand when he was being sold as a slave, we understand when he was wallowing and languishing in jail, there was nothing for Yosef to do. But once Yosef's now free, once Yosef's now a king, once Yosef's in power, so it's a famous question, why didn't Yosef contact Yaakov? Why didn't he let him know that he was still alive in Mitzrayim? And it's not just a question on Yosef. We know that Yaakov Avinu suffered the fact that Yosef was separated from him for 22 years as a Mirakaneged Midah from the fact that he left his father Yitzchak for 22 years. We don't find anywhere in Chazal that Yosef was punished for the years that he left Yaakov. And even though he caused that Yaakov tremendous pain. And therefore we need to understand why was it that Yosef didn't do anything to let Yaakov know that he was alive. That's a famous question. There's another famous question as well. In the parasha of Yeshua, we find two maybe similar sounding stories, but in reality extremely different stories. The one is the story of Yehuda and Tamar. What Tamar did, so to speak, was ensure that she would be the mother of the Malchus, that the royal seed of Yehuda would, so to speak, she would be through her, she would be a part of the family eventually of David HaMelech and one of the ancestors of Mashiach. And the Torah juxtaposes the story of Tamar with the story of the wife of Potiphar. We look at it as the absolute Russia, somebody who tried to entice Yosef to seduce him to sin. And why these two parishes put together, Rashi already points out to us. 
that they were both mechaven the Shem Shemaim. To mind you, that the, sea, the, the family of the kings would come from Yehuda, and therefore she tried to ensure it would be through her. Ashes Potiphar was aware that Yosef would be a part of her family, and therefore she tried to seduce him that it should be through her. And yet, they were both maybe acting with an awareness or an understanding of what was meant to be in the future. And one is rewarded and praised for what she did, and the other one is vilified and punished. So what's the difference? And therefore, let's look at the parasha with the starting principle. What is a person meant to do when they hear in a vur? What is a person meant to do when they receive prophecy? Yosef, when he was given the dreams, understood these weren't just dreams. Yosef understood these dreams were prophecies. And if he was given the prophecy, then Yosef understood it was his divine mission to fulfill them, to make them happen. And if that's the case, if in his dream Yosef was told that the brothers would bow down to him, Yosef was instructed to become this Nevo, to engineer that it would happen. Now let's medayik Yosef's dreams. And we see two tremendous differences between the first dream and the second dream. The first dream, him and his brothers were gathering the sheaves of wheat in the field, and the sheaves of the brothers bowed down to his sheaf. In the second dream, the sun and the moon and the stars bow down to him. If you notice closely, there are two big differences between them. The first one is that in the first dream, it's sheaves of wheat bowing down to his sheaf. Even though he and the brothers were there in the dream, they were the ones, so to speak, collecting the wheat and making it into sheaves. But it wasn't the brothers bowing down to him, it was their sheaves bowing down to his. Whereas in the second dream, it's the sun and the moon and the stars bowing down to him. It doesn't say they were bowing down to his star. That's a tremendous difference. And the second point, which is the obvious one, that the first dream only mentions the eleven sheaves. The second dream, besides for the eleven stars, also mentions the sun and the moon. Yosef, who understood that the dreams which had been given to him were prophecy, and if they were given to him, he understood that his mission to make this prophecy be fulfilled. So he understood that these differences. And therefore he understood that the reason the brothers would bow down to him, the first dream, was for food. It wasn't because they recognized Yosef. On the contrary, they weren't bowing down to him as Yosef, they were bowing down to his sheaf. Which means they were bowing down to somebody who could provide them with food. Not knowing it was Yosef. And therefore Yosef, when he heard Paris' dream and understood that there's going to be a, a period of plenty, where food needs to be stored, followed by a period of famine, where that food will have to be distributed, he understood what's going to have to happen is that the brothers would come down to buy food from him. And it had to be in the sense that they bowed down to his sheaf, not to him. They had to know that they were bowing down to someone who could provide them with food without knowing it was Yosef. And therefore Yosef didn't reveal himself to his brothers. And when they came down and stood before the, the viceroy of Egypt, Ha'ish, Adonai Oretz, 
the man of the land had no idea they were talking to Yosef. But there was a problem. Only ten brothers came down. Yaakov refused to send Benjamin. If that's the case, Yosef saw that Benjamin wasn't with them. And Yosef understood this is not yet a fulfillment of the dream. The Nevoah was eleven sheaves who bowed down. And that's why Yosef insists Benjamin comes too. He didn't reveal himself. Benjamin also have to come and bow down to the person who could provide the food. And that's what happens. Forced by facing hunger and having no other recourse, Yaakov had to let Benjamin go. And when Benjamin came with the brothers and they all bowed down to Yosef, now the first dream had been fulfilled in its entirety. Yosef could now reveal himself to his brothers and to Yaakov because the second dream was that they would bow down to him, to Yosef, not to his star. Knowing it was Yosef, they bowed down to him as Yosef. And this was fulfilled after Yaakov Avinu died. When they were scared, Yosef would take revenge for what they had done to him and they all came and they prostrated themselves in front of him. They said, we have servants in front of you. Here the eleven stars bow down to Yosef as an individual. Yaakov also bows down. When he wants Yosef to exert his influence as a viceroy to ensure that Yaakov gets buried in Eretz Yisrael, by Yishtach Yisrael, Yaakov bows down and that was the fulfillment of the secondary. So from Yosef's point of view, the fact that he had been given his dreams, he felt this was Nevo, and he had to make him the Nevo. And if the first Nevo called for the fact that the brothers would bow down to his sheep, then he wasn't able to reveal himself until that dream had been fulfilled. That's from Yosef's point of view. Yaakov also understood this dream was Nevo. But he wasn't in a position to carry it out, like we'll soon see. And if that's the case, what can one do with the Nevoah that he's aware of, but he isn't in a position to fulfill? Then it's understood that Nevoah wasn't given to him to act on. So why was he made aware of this Nevoah? Because he should wait for it to happen. He should know that it's going to happen and anticipate it. Rashi says, V'aviv shamar esadavar that Yaakov guarded the matter, he was Yeshiva Mitzapa, he was sitting and waiting, when will this Nevoah be fulfilled? And there we see, is the second way that Nevoah speaks to a person. For the person who can fulfill the Nevoah, then they're instructed to do so. For the person who's not meant to fulfill the Nevoah, then they're meant to anticipate its fulfillment. How's it meant to know? How is it meant to know if one receives a nevur, if this was a prophecy which is instructive and therefore the person is obligated to obey, or whether the prophecy is informative, in which case the person is just meant to know about it and anticipate it and look forward to it, but not necessarily to do anything. So there are three differences. The first one is, does trying to fulfill the prophecy entail doing an Avera. Because knowing the future doesn't give us the green light to do things against the Torah. Unless Hashem specifically commands a novel to do something against the Torah, one can't arbitrarily choose to over an Esau to transgress the Torah's commandments even if it's in the purpose for the purpose of fulfilling a Nevoah. And that was the difference between Tamar and the wife of Potiphar. They both were aware of the future. 
And they both were trying to fulfill what they knew the future was going to bring. The big difference was, what Tamar was trying to do was a mitzvah. Being as her husband had died without children, there was a chiv of Yibum, and as the Ramban writes, before the Torah was given, Yibum could be done by any relative. So by trying to seduce Yehuda to be with her, she was being Mekayim a mitzvah. And in that way, one's doing a mitzvah in order to aid the fulfillment of a levur, then it's something commendable. Whereas when it came to Aisha's Potiphar, even though she also had the intention of the, bringing in the vur to fruition, but Pahod was doing the Mesa Avera. She was a married woman. And if that's the case, even if the intention was in order to fulfill a prophecy, it doesn't justify and it doesn't condone transgressing the Torah. That's the first difference. The second way, if a person knows, if a Nevoah is given for them to fulfill or to be aware of, is who's the Nevoah given to? You know, there's an amazing Gemara in Sanhedrin. The Gemara says that a Novi who doesn't share the message Hashem gave him to broadcast, to publicize, is Chayv Misa. And in this Mishnah, the Gemara asks an obvious question. If the Novi didn't make known the Nevoah he was given, how are we ever going to kill him? How do we know this Nevoah took place? Who's going to testify against him? And the Gemara says an equally unbelievable answer. The Gemara says, who's going to testify against him? His fellow Nevim. Because, the Gemara explains, that even if Hashem gives an instruction to one Novi, and they understand that this Novi was given the instruction, other Nevim who privy to, so to speak, the workings of heaven, would know about that. They would know that Hashem had instructed the specific Novi to give a message, and therefore they would be able to come and tell Bastin and testify that the message was meant to be given and hadn't been done so. And that's the obvious question. Firstly, the Gemara proves this from the Pasuk in the Sukhs of Torah. Hashem Alekim won't do something. Unless he reveals the secrets to his servants, the Nevim. So all the servants, the Nevim, would be aware of what Hashem is planning to do. And if that's the case, if it's broadcast in Shemayim what Hashem is planning to do, so why can't any Novi who's aware of that come and broadcast us the message? And this is the second rule. And that is, the Navu is directed to the Novi whose responsibility it is to carry it out. The fact that other Navi know about it means that they're aware that something is going to happen. But if, since they weren't the one who was instructed to fulfill it or to publicize it, so they're knowing the Navu is in, competing in, in, in the category of being information that they're aware of. And then based on this chiluk, we see the second difference. And that is, Yaakov was also a Navi. Yaakov was a more senior Navi than Yosef. And if that's the case, if Yaakov, like Yosef, understood that his dreams are prophetic, so Yaakov could have had the question, so why wasn't he given this Nebuah? Why, why was it given to Yosef? And from that Yaakov understood, it's because Yosef has to be the one to bring it to fruition. For Yaakov it's informative, and therefore, how does one receive Nebuah, which isn't commanding? To be Yosef and Masapi. To remain waiting, 
and anticipating when the Nevoah will be fulfilled. And that brings us to the last point. Maybe the one which is the most practical to us. And that is, there are wealth of Nevoahs throughout the Nevim foretelling the coming of Mashiach and what will be in the end of days. These Nevoahs were told to Klai Yisrael. And now the question is, in what capacity do Klai Yisrael accept these Nevoahs? Are they instructions or are they just informative? informative. And to answer this question, we see a Pesach in Shashir, which Hashem says, Hishpati Yisrael B'nai I warn you. I make you swear. If you do anything to arouse the love of Hashem before the time is right. In other words, don't force Hashem to bring the Geula before the time Hashem wants the Geula to come. And if that's the case, we're instructed not to try actively to make the Nevoahs happen. We've been warned, we've been made to promise that when we receive the Nevoahs about Moshech, it's not that we're now going to actively try and ensure that these Nevoahs are fulfilled in our lifetimes. If we think about it, there were many great Kedalim who maybe had the ability to somehow, in their own merits and through their own actions, hasten the coming of Moshech. But it never happened. Not in the time of the Chafetz Chaim, not in the time of the Vilnagon, not in the time of the Arizal, not in the time of Rashi, not in the time of Rabbi Ranasi. There's a time when Hashem wants to bring Mashiach. And we warned not to try to do things to force Hashem to bring Mashiach early. If that's the case, the reverse of Mashiach are in the category of being informative. They're there for us to know that Mashiach is going to happen. They're there to give us Chizuk. They're there to give us the encouragement. Don't give up. Even in the bleakest times in Golis, even when the future of Klai looks at its darkest, the Nevoahs are there to remind us Mashiach is going to come. And just like Yaakov Avinu was Shomer as Hadavar, Yaakov Avinu guided the matter, so that's what's incumbent upon us as well. To be the Shomrim. To be the gods who are anticipating when the Nevoahs are going to be fulfilled. Nafshi la Hashem, Mishayimrim la Boiker, Shayimrim la Boiker. Masal to Hashem is with those who await for the morning, those who await the Gola. That's our job. We anticipate, we look forward to when it's going to be fulfilled. Because these Nevoahs weren't given to us as an instruction, they were given to us as a chizok. They were given to us as a prediction of a knowledge of what's going to happen. Something which we can hold on to and anticipate and look forward to. Perhaps by Yaakov it was the same thing. He was told these Nevoahs up front, before the tragedies with Yosef unfolded. Perhaps it was there to give him chizuk. And even though he was thought that Yosef might have been ripped to shreds by a wild animal, but a Nevoah has to be miskayim. And deep down, maybe Yaakov still harbored the hope that Yosef was really alive and the Nevoah still would be fulfilled. That's how we meant to take this idea as well. One more point though. There's a Pazak in Yeshaya. That the Jewish people say, Shoymer Mami Leila. To those who are guarding, anticipating the Gola, how long is the night? 
and then the Nevot Navi Yeshaya answers Amar Shaymer, Asa Boiker Vagam Laila. The Shaymer says, the morning will come, but the night comes first. Anticipate, wait, look forward to the time when it's coming. But then the Navi had three more words. Imtiv Ayun Ba'ayu. If you want it to come, Ba'ayu Davin. Ask for it. And here we see a point which is an instruction. Not just the Nevoah of anticipation, a prediction of the future, but there's something active to do. You want Mashiach to come? Send actively Davin. Imtivoyun Ba'ayu. If you want to see him, Davin for him. And that's what the Nevoah instructs us. And that's why there's two parts to our Chiyuv to await Mashiach. One is to know that he's coming. To be a shamer of the Nebuah. And the second one is to ask for it. We make it every day in Shemun Esrei. We're asking, Hashem, we're waiting for this Yeshua. And that's a key moment. Chazal says, Did you await the Yeshua? Yes, we can await the Yeshua passively. Knowing it's going to happen and looking forward to it happening. But what we can do to actively encourage it, not to force it, that Hashem won't let us do, but what we can do is to dive in for it. And then, like Yaakov, who eventually saw the fulfillment of the prophecy, he saw how Yosef was still alive and the prophecies were fulfilled. So to we should be zeichet to see the Vyaskoel Tzedek and all the Nevoz throughout Tanakh about the coming of a Sheikh that we've anticipated and for so long and Darwin for so as as best we could will also be misguided.